birthday, Stevie Love Wonder. Talk Radio. Happy birthday, Stevie Wonder, the big 7-0. Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff of California, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Welcome. Great to see you, Congressman. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, all, what you. about Paul Manafort getting out of jail early? Um, so the news today about Manafort walking out of jail in, in Pennsylvania, there's no record of any infection in that prison, but is that uh, the appropriate step given the possibility of infection in the prison context? 
Well, the problem is that Bill Barr has so politicized the Justice Department, the justice system, that people can't have confidence that a decision like this to release uh, Paul Manafort to do uh, home uh, imprisonment uh, is based on the merits, is based on either his health situation or the COVID situation at that prison. No one can really have confidence in that. I can tell you, Andrea, in Southern California, there are two uh, prisons not far from my district, uh, one in Lompoc, one at Terminal Island, uh, in which 40 to 70 percent of inmates have COVID. Uh, and I can bet you that the families of those incarcerated in those two institutions are looking at the release of Paul Manafort to today and saying, well, how come my family member is not being released to home custody? Uh, it must be because their name is in Paul Manafort. They're not a friend of Donald Trump. Uh, this system stinks. Yeah, and that's the result of uh, Bill Barr politicizing the Justice Department. People have lost confidence in its neutrality, uh, that justice is blind. Instead, they think that justice bends to Donald Trump's will. And that's just a tremendous disservice and, and risk to the rule of law. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but to your point, uh, and I just want to also point out that we were just showing some file pictures of Paul Manafort during his trial, uh, not when he was in custody. So those were not pictures of him walking out of prison today. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Michael Cohn appeal to be let out of prison also uh, because of COVID and that that has not taken place yet? Uh, that's my understanding, yes, that uh, he's also made a request to be released from custody. He has not been released. Uh, and, of course, that breeds just further skepticism. Well, why is Manafort, uh, someone the president has praised, getting released when he had a far longer sentence to serve? Uh, and Michael Cohen not being released uh, when the president calls him a rat. Uh, now, there could be legitimate reasons for this. Uh, maybe there is a legitimate concern about Paul Manafort's health. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, inmates tend to lie about their health all the time. But the problem is we can't have confidence in the system when there are such uh, blank, you know, such naked acts of politicization like Bill Barr intervening to dismiss the Flynn case, like Bill Barr intervening to reduce the sentence for Roger Stone, like Bill Barr intervening to mislead the country about the contents of the Mueller report before it came out and withholding that report for, for weeks uh, so that he could create a false narrative. The whole counter uh, investigation Bill Barr is trying to lead, it just breeds disrespect for the Justice Department and questions about its neutrality. And therefore, we can't evaluate why Paul Manafort gets out and Mike Flynn stays in. I do want to ask you about the, one of the oral arguments yesterday, the extraordinary oral arguments on these landmark cases. And the one that seemed to have the least amount of traction with the majority of the justices, at least, came from the lawyer for the House committees. Let me play a little bit of Justice Kagan, who she and Justice uh, Sotomayor and I guess Ginsburg were at least seemed to be on one side of it. But even Justice Breyer was, was not with them on this, at least from what we could tell from their questions. This was her question to the lawyer for the House committee about the uh, appeal, the subpoena against the president. What it seems to me you're asking us to do is to put a kind of 10-ton weight on the scales between the president and Congress, and essentially to make it impossible for Congress to perform oversight and to carry out its functions where the president is concerned. 
Uh, clearly, that was Justice Kagan questioning the Deputy uh, Solicitor General on behalf of the President's argument against the subpoena. Uh, it does look like, at the very best, they would turn it, send it back for a, a re-argument, but that your House committees may not succeed in this effort to get those subpoenas. Well, it's hard to tell often from the argumentation uh, or the justice questions uh, which way ultimately the case is going to go. Uh, I do think, as uh, Chairman Nadler has often observed, when these cases get to the court, we'll find out whether they're truly a conservative court or they're just uh, becoming a partisan court. Uh, when you compare, for example, the situation involving the Clinton presidency uh, and the justice's decision that it wouldn't oppose too bur much of a burden on the presidency, to allow the Paula Jones litigation to go forward, to allow the president to be deposed. Here, the burden is so much less. The need for congressional oversight is so much greater. That involved the private litigant. This involves the Congress. Uh, and the subpoenas here are to a private third party. The president has no burden whatsoever. So for the justice to, to conclude, well, a civil suit against a Democratic president has to go forward. That's not burdensome. That's not vexatious. That's not an effort to tear down the president, but legitimate congressional oversight can't go forward, I think uh, indicates that they have a double standard when it comes to Democratic presidents versus Republican ones. Uh, but we'll have to wait to see what the court decides. Uh, hopefully, uh, they will follow their precedent. If they do, there's no question the House will prevail. Uh, if they don't, uh, it will be, I think, another indication that that institution, like so many other institutions these days, is simply moving in a partisan direction. I also want to ask you about President Obama and now uh, in a separate instance, maybe a separate instance, the acting DNI, Rick Grinnell, going after Democrats, going after the Obama administration, resurrecting the whole unmasking issue, the president accusing former President Obama of the greatest crime ever. Uh, what's going on here? There's also a Wall Street Journal editorial against you as well, against the Adam Schiff transcripts, as they put it. Well, what's going on is uh, this is the president's effort to distract from the fact that uh, under his watch, we've now lost 80,000 American lives and our economy is right. in the worst shape it's been since right. the Great Depression. Uh, this is what this is about. Uh, they want to distract attention. Uh, they want to create some kind of a counter narrative that, no, it was actually Obama committing crimes, not Donald Trump. Uh, it was all the Obama administration of figures. It was Adam Schiff. Don't pay attention to Americans dying right now. Don't pay attention to Americans unemployed right now. Um, but instead, let's focus on this counter narrative uh, that it was Hillary that must have colluded. It was Obama that must have been, uh, you know, committing unethical acts uh, instead of Donald oh, Trump. But the American people see through this. Um, they are yep. focused right now on making sure that they can stay healthy, that they can put bread on the table. Right. That's their priority, even if it isn't the president's. Hey there, I'm Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Thanks for watching MSNBC yeah, on it. YouTube. That's if you want to keep it. up to they date with the videos we're putting out, you can click subscribe just below me or click over on this list to see lots of other great on. They don't give a hell about the 80-something thousand deaths. Uh, they want to distract. They want to blame it on everybody but but who's supposed to be blamed on Donald Trump and his administration? This is what's going on, folks. I mean, these people are trying to and Donald Trump is scared as hell. Believe me, he's scared as hell. He's scared of going to prison. He's scared of losing. He's scared of being thrown out on his ass. So they're going to uh, uh, make up shit.
uh, Obama this, this, Hillary that, uh, the Democrats this. They're trying to change the narrative. It's not about the coronavirus. It's about distraction and lies and more lies and lies on top of more lies. And it's sad. It's, it's very sad to hear that satin, if I can say it, can I say that? Mm-hmm. To hear that a Republican, uh, uh, a Democrat uh, concedes to a Republican. That is really, really awful. But it's all about distraction. Lies, 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 and more lies. And I agree with Adam Schiff. We, the, Amer- we, the American people, see through all of that bullshit. And we do. We do. The Republicans are, are on their asses. They're behind in the polls. Uh, and they gotta they gotta come up with something. They gotta come up with something uh, to fight back on Joe Biden's enormous lead over Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows he's going to prison. He's going to be indicted as soon as he get out of office. He's scared. He's scared of women. He's scared of smart women. He's actually Donald Trump is afraid of anybody who's smart and intelligent. Uh, 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 knows what they're talking about, like Dr. Fauci. He, he's just an awful human being. And then he has these supporters that they don't give a damn how much of a criminal he is. They're going to support him. But a lot of the things that this guy is doing to the American people, he's also doing it to his supporters. I think they're getting the worst end of it, of what Donald Trump is doing. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody. He, even his own supporters, he doesn't care anything about. He'll tell them to go straight to hell, and they will. They'll just walk straight into hell because Donald Trump told them. Drink bleach because Donald Trump told them. Stupid ass people. All right, you've been listening to you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are here, folks, and we are live. Here is Ashley Judd, the actress. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried-out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, 
we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalize the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob, this vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Teen. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass.
And I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women, and for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up, the limbic system gets fired, we lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people, girls, our girls, our boys, are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, Curbing Abuse, Expanding Freedom. And that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is, I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because, guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child, and so that tweet brought up that trauma, and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech, 
and we disaggregate it, and we code it, and we give that data so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it, we're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few, and of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy, and clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents—it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge, the global standard for gender equality, is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you. Can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag #GamerGate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen. That online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9/11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered. With up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter, but they couldn't really when they said, "What's Twitter?" Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied. To a perpetrator, because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous, they must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. <laughs> the language must be technologically neutral. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends, white men. You have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something, or you can do nothing. 
we're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, oh my God, she's a reverse racist. That quote was said by a white man, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence. As it is happening, 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. And lastly, believe her. Believe her. This is fundamentally a problem of human interaction. And thus, I believe that human interaction is at the core of our healing. Trauma not transformed will be trauma transferred. Edith Wharton said the end is latent in the beginning, so we are going to end this talk replacing hate speech with love speech. Because I get lonely in this, but I know that we are allies. I recently learned about how gratitude and affirmations offset negative interactions. It takes five of those to offset one negative interaction. And gratitude in particular, free, available globally, anytime, anywhere, to anyone in any dialect. It fires the pre-genual... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Dr. Matt Damon just revealed that his daughter has the virus. Matt Damon, the guy uh, made a lot of movies. You know, made a lot. I have a few here. Matt Damon, the actor. Wow, the actor disclosed that 21-year-old Alexa, his daughter, a college student, was affected really early on along with her roommates. Wow. Okay, she's away at college. That's how she got affected. 
But it just it goes to tell you that this disease does not discriminate. A lot of people are saying it's an older person disease. It's an African-American disease. People are dying from this of all stripes, no matter who you are, where you are. This disease, and they want to open, and they want to open back up uh, America. They want to, people are suing because of the the lockdown, the stay-at-home orders. And it's been proven over and over again in some of these uh, gatherings that people are going out and gathering in large crowds because they don't want to stay home. They figure they, their freedoms are being stepped on. And you have more and more death. People are still dying. This thing should is not going to be over until there is a vaccine of some kind. That's going. I just got through telling my son that this is not going to be over. So he'll be wearing masks, maybe until the end of the year or into early next year, until there's a vaccine. Because scientists, doctors, and scientists are are working on a vaccine as we speak. But it's just something that people just don't get it. We have so many. I I always hate to say this, but it's true. We have too many stupid people. People who are just Yuck, I don't know. This coronavirus will not just magically go away like Trump wants it to, like Trump's trying to convince everybody it will. Trump wants to open back up America. He wants to open back it back up so he can get gatherings for his silly rallies, and it's going to kill people. But he doesn't care. He figures that his ratings are in the dumpster and these rallies are going to help him get out of the dumpster even if it meant more death he doesn't care he doesn't listen to the doctors or the scientists or the people in the know and he doesn't care like Robert De Niro just said Trump doesn't care about the people who are dying from the coronavirus I knew that a long time ago but it's nice to hear celebrities and people who uh, you know famous people say things like that to clarify what I've been thinking all along. Trump doesn't give a damn about you dying. Or, or, or even I. He doesn't care about us dying. He wants us to die. Why? And I've said it several times on the show. Why? Because he doesn't want us to vote. He's trying to do everything he can to stay in office. Even distraction, distraction, and distraction. Lies, lies, lies. He's distracting right now. He's blaming Obama. He's blaming Hillary. He's blaming the Democrats. He's blaming anybody. He's, he's trying to get people to come to his side of way of thinking. And people are saying, no, no, get the hell. F off. American people know better. And, and that's what Adam Schiff said. We do know better. We do know that this man is lying. We do know that he's an asshole. We, know, we do know that he's distracting. We do know that this is his fault. It's on his watch. It, nobody else is to blame. He doesn't take responsibility. Well, Trump, if he doesn't take, if you don't take responsibility, then then resign. Get out of there. I mean, some a lot of celebrities have said, "Get out of there, man. You don't know what you're doing. You you're in over your head. You don't know what the hell you're doing." And he doesn't. 
He doesn't listen to anybody. And now they're talking about maybe he could postpone the upcoming election. He cannot do that. Uh, Eric Kushner cannot do that. It's it's constitutionally mandated. It ain't going to happen. They can talk about it all they want. It's not going to happen. This is just phenomenally crazy. Manafort to serve the rest of his time. I'm pretty sure you heard about it. Uh, uh, The prison let out uh, uh, Manafort. Uh, He's serving seven years, seven more years or something like that. They let him out because they were afraid of the coronavirus, which is bullshit because this particular prison doesn't even have the coronavirus. But they let it, it, it has something to do with Donald Trump. Donald Trump and this asshole Bill Barr, his, his bag man, they got together and let him out of jail. Trump judges let him out of jail. Um, I mean, this is the same thing with Michael Flynn. They got him released, letting the crooks out of jail. The crooks letting the crooks out of jail. The crooks <laughs> standing together because they got one major criminal and he's in the White House. Criminal, traitor, whatever you want to call him, he's all of that. Rapist, more likely he's all of that. And uh, New York is coming after him. And there's so much talk about him being indicted, going to prison after he loses. So he's going to do everything he can to stay out of jail. Trump is not running to be for a second term to be president. He's running for a second term to stay out of prison. And I don't understand why he's not that he can't be indicted as president. It it, it has nothing to do. It it doesn't say anything about him not being indicted as president in the Constitution. And that's what we go by. If he was a Democrat and he had the baggage and this Democrat had the baggage that Trump has, he'd have been out of there. He'd have been gone. Republicans would have saw that. They would have said, the hell with that. Or whatever's on the uh, uh, DOJ's books about a president can't be indicted until he leaves office. That's bullshit, they would have said. If it was a Democrat, but it's Donald Trump. And he's a thug. He's a criminal. He's an asshole. He's a liar. He hater, racist. He's made America weaker, poorer, and sicker. All of this is on his hands, and a lots of blood is on this guy's hands. A hell of a lot of blood. But the amazing thing here is that Matt Damon. I mean, you got so many celebrities, famous people. Uh, getting this virus, getting sick from this virus, dying from this virus. And people are saying, what is this, African-American disease, African-Americans, uh, old people. No, no, no. This this disease doesn't have an age limit. It doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a nationality. It, this disease is not racist. It hits anybody who doesn't do the right thing. When you go outside, wear a fucking mask. A mask. You see people out there not wearing masks. Just look at them as being stupid. Wear a mask. You go into a store, shopping, wear a mask. A hardware store, wear a mask. Anywhere where people are gathering, wear a mask. Even if they're not gathering, wear a mask. 
You never know what might have been left over in that particular space of air that you might walk into. This thing is not going to be over until there's a vaccine. But it's a shame that so many people are just bucking uh, the idea of staying at home. I don't want to be isolated at home. I don't want to feel like a hermit in my house, but I don't want to go out here and get this disease and bring it back home and everybody in my house gets it. People should follow the rules, but you 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 got stupid people. You got dumb people. You got ignorant people out here. You got people out here who have the disease and then will walk around and blow it in everybody's face so they can get it and die. You got people who will walk into a grocery store and blow on all the produce, and and then the manager of the store, you know, have to clean that shit out because it, it'll give everybody else, uh, uh, make everybody else sick, maybe even die. People are ridiculous. All uh, and they're suing. Uh, they're suing. Uh, there's people, uh, regular people out here suing their governments about the stay-at-home orders. They want to get back to their businesses. They want to get back to to this or that, gatherings. They want to get back to the beaches. How can you do that? How can you want to do that? People out there. As long as it's out there, people are going to die. You gather around. You get a hundred people gathering around. Certain percentage of those people are going to die from the virus. And it it has happened. It has happened. The people are so ignorant, they're so dumb, and a lot of them are young, and there's got a few of the, uh, people out here who are insane going out here on the beaches and gathering and uh, they're riding, they're, they're jogging. Uh, full, you see 10 or 20 people jogging together. You see 20, 10 or 20 people uh, riding their bikes together without masks, without protection. They don't care. They just want to get the fuck out. They want to get outside, enjoy the nice weather. Hey, we all do. No, nobody is saying that you can't go outside. Nobody is saying that you cannot uh, be with your friends. But just protect yourself. Wear a mask. If you, if you have to, wear gloves. You can go out and talk, but, you know, keep a distance. A lot of these people, they don't like that. That's too, that's too much. A lot of these young, a lot of these young girls, they think they're too cute to wear a mask. You know, I mean, they want to get out there and show their stuff. But at least protect yourself. You can show your stuff, but protect yourself. Wear a mask. Keep uh, six or eight inches, uh, six or eight feet away from the other person, even if you're talking to them. Because if you're talking to someone without a mask and they don't have a mask, more likely, even if they don't have the virus, I'm hearing they they can still affect you. You know, so uh, people have to to uh, abide by. I think one of the reasons why Matt Damon's daughter had the virus. Is because she was in college. She was in her dorm room, and you know, a lot of a lot of young people like to, you know, especially college and and, and grade school kids, they want to go outside, be with their friends. You're in college. You're in your dorm room. You got you got, you know, you're going to be talking to people, and hey, wow, it's going to happen. She didn't practice safe distancing. That's all you can say. And uh, most people who 
who have gotten sick from the virus, who have died from the virus, these people did not practice very safe distancing. They didn't like it. They didn't want it. They were going to sue. But now they're dead because they failed to follow the rules of their government not to uh, uh, mingle in crowds without some sort of protection. And you got people out there still today, right now, at this moment, in crowds with no protection. They're saying to hell with these stay-at-home orders. They're saying that governors can go to hell. Even if they know what the governors are saying is true, are true. Uh, it's it's a bad time for America. It's a bad time for the world. I think we can beat this virus. I know we can beat it, but people have to follow the guidelines. They don't want to be told what to do. They go. They want to open up their businesses. They want to open up their restaurants. They want to ro- open up the beaches and the clubs and the parks without a virus being found. As long as that virus is out there and you're out there in 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 um, groups and gatherings without protection, somebody in that group and those gatherings are going to get affected and maybe die. You're going to die. Without a virus, you're going to die. Now, there's some places that are opening back up, but they're having restrictions. Some restaurants are saying, hey, come on in, but you six, but you sit six feet away from the next guest, from the other guest. And you wear a mask. A lot of people don't like wearing masks. I don't even like wearing them. I think that uh, sometimes they can be very uncomfortable. But you got to search around for, there's several types of masks. You have to search around for the type of mask that you think is going to feel a little bit comfortable on your face. Um, Because a lot of them don't. Um, but that's up to you. And, uh, and there's a lot of outlets right now, a lot of businesses that are selling masks. They weren't selling them at first. We all were struggling to get a mask, but, um, they're selling them now. And I think people should, but at the sound of my voice, I can hear some people saying, fuck George, forget George. Yeah, but that's your life, man. I mean, that's your life, uh, that you're putting at risk when you go out there unprotected and you get in a group, uh, a group of people you surround, and you don't, you're not wearing a mask. You know, but when I go outside right now, uh, or, or my son, we go outside right now, we're wearing a mask and we see people who are wearing masks. You know, and then we see those who are not wearing masks. And then we see people who are wearing masks, but they don't have their face covered. The mask is either down under their chin or whatever, and uh, that does nobody good. You have to put it up. <laughs> you have to put it on your over your nose and your mouth, not under your chin. But you know, and then there's people who are not wearing masks because they don't see people. I mean, if you're walking down the street of your neighborhood and you don't see people, you don't see people nowhere. I guess it's okay to take off your mask, you know, because there's nobody around you because of the 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 virus is spread from from mouth to mouth, nose to nose, uh, virus is spread from one person to another. If you don't see any people, uh, does that mean that you may not get 
uh, affected if you don't see any people uh, walking down the street or walking towards you? No, it does not mean you will not get affected because a lot of times an affected person can walk into the space. You might walk into a space where a, a affected person might have been and you could, you know, breathe in a lot of that stuff uh, from that other person's mouth or nose. But basically, I think, and I don't want to, you know, diminish this or say this, and then I go, then I go out there and I get it. But I do think that um, if you're walking outside, if you go outside and there's nobody else around, I don't think you really have to wear your mask unless you want to, unless you feel you should. Um, I don't know because it's it's spread from person to person, okay? So if you don't see people, more likely you're not going to get it. And if it's windy outside, this is lovely, and you know the the wind is going to blow the virus around until it disappears. So uh, I'm just saying what I'm hearing and reading. I'm not a doctor, of course. That I'm not Doctor George Wilder, no. Uh, but some things are just common sense. Some things are just common sense. Okay, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We will be will we be right back? Um, yeah, we will be right back. All right, let's do this.
But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars. They pay no taxes and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> it's just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, 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 if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, 
I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight. You can't see the sun at night. <laughs> this is the Dollamore Daily, and I'm Jesse Dollamore. For a long time, Donald Trump has floated himself out there, or at least wanted it out there in the ether that he might extend his term. He has certainly tweeted on multiple occasions that he would like to be president or it would be possible for Trump to be president on through, beyond 2024, 2028, 2032, and beyond. Now, on its face, this is ridiculous because he is an old man. And he won't live that long. Some have talked about the fact that what he means is that the Trump legacy, the Trump Republican Party, as he's polluted it from something that was already sinister to something even worse, that it would live on beyond him. That might be true. But because of his authoritarian nature, People have worried, justifiably worried, about whether or not he would, especially during this pandemic, cancel or postpone the election to a later date, thus allowing him to stay in power beyond his rightful term. Yesterday, I woke up to a flurry of emails this morning asking about this. Yesterday, in an interview with Time Magazine, Jared Kushner, the first son-in-law who happens to have a position Within the administration, his purview has been the, 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 epi, the epidemic of, of uh, opioid, opioid addiction. It has been Middle East peace. And then also he's run a shadow, a shadow uh, movement or a shadow uh, response to the coronavirus. He's a dumb, he's a dumb kid. He is a, he is a know-nothing. He is a do-nothing. He is someone who was just born with a silver spoon, stuck in one of his orifices, and uh, has never really done anything. Certainly has no knowledge of the government or the Constitution. And yesterday he was asked by a, a Time Magazine reporter about postponing the election or pushing it back. His response left a lot to be desired, and it also fueled all of the emails that I got and a lot of worry that Donald Trump might be doing this. Check it out. Just a few more questions and we'll wrap up. Is there any scenario, including a second outbreak in the fall where the elections move past November 3rd? Uh, that's too far in the future to tell. Nothing that I'm aware of now, but uh, again, our focus right now is just on getting well, the country. Will commit that the elections will happen on November 3rd? Uh, it's not my decision to make, so I, I'm not sure I can commit one way or the other. But right now, that's the plan. And uh, again, hopefully, by the time we get to you know September, October, November, we've done enough work with testing and with uh, and with all the different things we're trying to do to uh, prevent a future uh, outbreak of the magnitude that would make us shut down again. I really believe that once America opens up, uh, it'll be very hard for America to ever lock down again. Look, Jared. This is an easy answer, because it is out of the purview of Donald Trump, out of his authority to, one, single-handedly push back the election. Absolutely, without a doubt, and I'm going to get to that. But it 
it's an easy answer. You say, no, 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 that he can't do that. But instead, he says, I'm not sure I can commit one way or the other. You just say, you know what, dude? I don't know. That's not what I work on. At the very least, that bad answer would be better than, I'm not sure I can commit one way or the other. Well, this created such a firestorm that he had to come out with a retraction today, just hours ago, uh, where he said, I have not been involved in, nor am I aware of, any discussions about trying to change the date of the presidential election. Easy enough, should have said that the first time. But let me belay your fears, if you have them, that Donald Trump is going to try to do this. One, it doesn't matter whether he tries to do it or not. Uh, the Constitution plainly states that his term ends on a specific date and time. So even if he were to try to push it past November into next year, his term ends. But I'll get to that. First, the, 20, uh, the 23rd, 28th Congress of the United States passed this law, be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, that the electors of president and vice president shall be appointed in each state on the Tuesday after the first Monday in the month of November of each year in which they are to be appointed. It's a law, for one. Furthermore, it is in the United States Constitution, something that clearly we know Donald Trump has no respect or knowledge of, or knowledge of, therefore no respect for. Uh, the 20th Amendment states, the terms of the vice president, <clears throat> excuse me, the terms of the president and the vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January, and the terms of senators and representatives at noon on the third day of January of the years in which such terms would have ended if this article had not been ratified. And the terms of their successors shall then begin. So it does not matter if Donald Trump tries to pull some weird end around, and tries to postpone the election past when his term would be. Because, as I've said before, because of the line of succession, Nancy Pelosi will likely be the next speaker, and she would be in line. If the president and vice president no longer, because their terms end, it would likely be the speaker of the house. So he can't postpone, and first of all, he wouldn't be able to do that anyway unilaterally. That's not, he doesn't have an Article 2 that lets him do whatever he wants, despite what he may think, or despite what he may try to convince the American people of. Listen, I don't know whether this is some sort of trial balloon that they're floating out there to get the, the pulse of the American people on. It very well could be that. But there would be... I hope there would be. There would be protests in using Trump parlance, the likes of which we've never seen if Donald Trump tried to, in a dictatorial fashion, push back the election. And maybe he's just using this human pupa, Jared Kushner, as a way to float that out there to see what, what the American people feel about it. For me, I'm not worried about it because I have enough faith in, in our Constitution, in our founding documents, in the principles of democracy that I still believe 
we hold fast to that this isn't going to be a problem. But enough people questioned about it, enough people emailed me and messaged me, wanted me to talk about it, that I thought I should address it. Look, Donald Trump needs to go. The wild and radical things that he says and that he tweets and that he intimates as President of the United States of America are untenable, unacceptable. We can no longer abide the nonsense, the dangerous, dangerous nonsense. He dedicates more hours per day on Twitter talking about congressmen and women who he doesn't like than he does actually combating this very real existential threat to our society in this virus. He doesn't care about the loss of life, the very real threat to our families and our lives. He talks about testing being easy. Anybody can get it. The only people who can get it if they want it work in the White House. He's pushing right now for us to reopen carte blanche while the infection is spreading through the White House itself. He can't even contain the virus in the place he works, in the physical place he works. What makes you think that he is somehow miraculously going to get a (laughs) stranglehold on on it in in, uh, Nebraska or here in California? Or in Chicago, Illinois. He's not. He's an idiot. He's not devoting the attention that he needs, even if he had the intellectual bandwidth to do so. I don't believe he does. But even if he did, he's not dedicating enough effort and bandwidth to the problem that is needed. Bradley Whitford yesterday tweeted, Bradley Whitford, the actor who played in uh, Get Get Out and um, The West Wing. He played Josh Lyman in The West Wing. He tweeted, you know, the reason that we're just learning the name of Anthony Fauci is because when he was uh, the Obama or the, uh, the, the Ebola uh, pandemic or epidemic that was, was people worried was coming here because we had a couple cases from people who worked in Africa, the reason we didn't learn Anthony Fauci's name during all that is because, because Obama listened to him. He didn't need to be the face of, of the, the government response to Ebola because Barack Obama was handling it. He was taking the advice of learned individuals around him, educated experts in the field. Donald Trump has not done that. Donald Trump has wanted to be the face as a replacement for experts. Dangerous times, and in dangerous times you need real leaders. We do not have that. And in the absence of real leadership, we are left with only dangerous times. I'm going to stop yelling and screaming <laughs> for for today, just for today. Anyway, all right. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. I'd love to know all what right. you think. Seven one four five seven six forty fifty four. And of course, email me daily at dollamore dot com. I hope you. all of Thank those you. of you who emailed me about this uh, can Thank can you. rest easy a little bit that we have both legal and constitutional 
back up on this issue. Uh, if you, thank you. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Accuse 
an anchor of murder. Baseless, baseless charges caps two days of the president accusing opponents of criminal acts and ranging from illegal espionage to election rigging. That's a shame. Donald Trump is, is accusing people of what he has done. <laughs> uh, lies. He's accusing anchor. He's, he's accusing the media. He hates the media. Uh, what Donald Trump is trying to do is, is get a foothold into being reelected. So he's throwing anything at the wall he's, to see if it sticks. That's what he's doing. Next, tomorrow, he's going to have something else to say about somebody. That's lies and bullshit and baseless. The man, eh, he's, he, he's forever an idiot. He's, he's forever going to be stupid. But the American people, we know better. We know who's fucking up the country. We know who's insane, he, who's crazy. We know who is really a lunatic, an idiot, a buffoon, a dummy. It's Donald Trump. And yet he's trying to accuse other people of what people have accused him of and who were rightly uh, correct in, in accusing him of those things. Now, he, he'll go around accusing people of being a traitor because people have accused him of being a traitor. We saw it right there on television, him being a traitor and Ukraine. Traitorous behavior. But yet he'll go and accuse someone else of being a traitor and has no evidence. There's no video. There's no nothing saying that. There's nothing in the newspapers saying that. But he wants you to just to believe him. Donald Trump wants you to believe his lies. He wants you to believe him. And if you don't believe the, his lie today, he's going to try another lie tomorrow and hope you believe it. And if you don't believe that lie, he's going to keep lying until... You either believe him or you just call him crazy. Now, he's accusing some guy, uh, some anchor, obviously, the media, the press, some anchor of murder. And Donald Trump is the head murderer. All of these 80,000 people, these, these deaths are on his hand. He has more blood on his hands than anything. And now he's trying to to distract from that. Yeah, this is all a distraction. Distract, distract, distract. Lie, lie, and lie some more. And if you and if it doesn't work today, distract, distract, and distract and distract. Lie, lie some more the next day, and continue to lie and lie until it sticks. But the thing about this, folks, is that none of Donald Trump's lies sticks. None of his distractions work. Why? Because the American people are smart. They know this clown is lying. They know a distraction. They know he's going to distract, and he never uh, wavers. He distracts. And for him, this, this guy is just awful. I, I get sick of – I think I've talked about Donald Trump for years on this show, and I, I'm fed up with it. But he makes news when he doesn't make news. He – you know, he, he's, he's, I don't know, he's one of the kind. He's not of this planet. He's from another universe. He has no empathy. He has no sympathy. And a lot of this 
dying from this coronavirus could have been prevented if he'd have jumped on it and stopped calling it a hoax. He and Fox News, in my judgment, in my view, are the reason we have so many deaths here, and they should be held accountable. They should be held accountable for this. Hannity and the rest of them jackasses over there, Fox should be held accountable. They should be held accountable. I don't know why people watch that crap. You're going to get a bunch of lies. You're going to get a bunch of uh, just you're going to be told what to believe and what not to believe. You're going to be told what to do and what not to do. Why would you let a, a fake news organization do that to you? Yeah, yeah. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and this is basically about Trump and his distractions. It's, it's his distraction. He's still <laughs> – this guy is out there still wanting the country to open back up, and the death toll is climbing. I, I believe it's over 83,000 deaths in America, People, 83,000 people who have died in America, and this jackass, he refused to look at the data. He refused to listen to the doctors and the scientists. Because he thinks he's smarter than they are, and he is not. We know that. Um, we, just like uh, Dollamore said, we have to get rid of this man. We got to get him out of there. He's unfit, but he's dangerous. I hear that he's the laziest fucker in the White House, tweeting like crazy, dumb with misspellings and inaccuracies and lies. I don't even I don't even I, I never read his tweets. I mean, I, I only read them if someone else posts it, if it's an important tweet. But uh, this guy be tweeting like like hellfire. He's nuts. You if you tweet the way he tweets, you got to be there's got to be something wrong with you. And Donald Trump looks sick. He looks help. He doesn't look healthy. That's what I'm trying to say. He doesn't, even some experts are saying that he doesn't look healthy. Psychiatrists, doctors, Saying that he doesn't look healthy, and he doesn't, but but somehow they prop him up to come out there in the in those briefings, which he doesn't do much anymore. He's cut down. They prop him up, and he just go at it, and shit just come out of his mouth. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is; he it, it just come out of his mouth. And I don't see why people are standing behind him. Why would doctors and scientists stand behind him? When he's just going to flick them off and just say what he wants to say because he thinks he's smarter. What's wrong with Donald Trump is he's worried about the election. He is worried, and I don't think actually he's worried about being president again. I think he's worried about being in prison. He's running so he doesn't have to go to jail. The presidency is protecting his rotten ass. That is no doubt about that. He, the presidency is protecting him. That is why he is running. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You are You are mine. 
And this is the resistance. The White House continues to deny that the Attorney General's demand for the resignations of all 46 incumbent U.S. attorneys around the country and the subsequent optical disaster of the firing of New York's U.S. attorney, Preet Bharara, was instigated by a paranoid Sean Hannity TV segment demanding the immediate purge of everybody in the government who had worked for President Obama. The circumstantial evidence, however, supports the theory that it was Hannity's puppeteer hand of Trump's back. And that circumstantial evidence consists of the grim reality that we have elected President Emily Latella. If you're too young, she was the Saturday Night Live little old lady character portrayed by the late great Gilda Radner, who came on to give ludicrous editorial replies during weekend updates such as, I'm here tonight to speak out against busting school children. So far, the only person who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday is the one Democrat who was president, who was president. Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, a leading advocate for Dreamers and other immigrant groups. In a series of press appearances this morning, Durbin recounted exactly what happened inside the Oval Office. The President came into the Oval Office and Senator Lindsey Graham and I made our presentation. As Senator Graham made his presentation, the President interrupted him several times with questions and in the course of his comments, said things which were hate-filled, vile, and racist. We have a group that have temporary protected status in the United States because they were the victims of crises and disasters and political upheaval. The largest group is El Salvador, and the second is Honduran, and the third is Haitian. And when I mentioned that fact to him, he said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians? And then he went on when we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments, calling the nations they come from shitholes. The exact word used by the president, not more, not just once, but repeatedly. My colleague, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, spoke up and made a direct comment on what the president said. I was very proud of him. It took courage for what he did. And um, I made my own comments in response to it, but for him to confront the president as he did, uh, literally sitting next to him, took extraordinary political courage and I respect him for it. He said, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come to this country. Why don't we get more people from Norway? That was exactly what the president said. 
I'm joined now by Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. So, Congresswoman, you have Dick Durbin saying that when uh, immigration from Haiti or the TPS situation from Honduras and Haiti and El Salvador was described, Donald Trump said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians uh, on the question of Africa? He called those nations shitholes. That was exact word used by the president, per Lindsey Graham. And then uh, the last bit here, Donald Trump saying, put me down for wanting more Europeans to come for this country. Your thoughts, Congresswoman? Well, you know, I have called him uh, what I know him to be for a long time. Uh, remember some time ago I called him scumbag? Uh, I've called him a racist, deplorable, despicable, uh, added to what others are calling him, a moron, ignorant, on and on and on. The United States of America is represented by the most despicable human being that could possibly ever walk the earth. I don't know when Americans are going to tire of this lying man. Uh, it has been documented that he has told over 2,001 lies since he has been More in office. That. He named calls. He basically disparaged a United States Congresswoman and basically said she would do anything for a contribution. Talked about, as you know, during the campaign, grabbing women by their private parts. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment uh, for this country. Our allies are quickly moving away from him. What are we waiting for? He is basically bringing this country down. And for all of those Republicans on the other side who stand with him, who claimed to have been patriotic, they are not patriotic. They are with not the guts to stand up or they join him as racist. And so I, I have known this. Uh, and I've called for his impeachment over and over again. I've been criticized for it, but I don't know what else we need to say about him. I know a lot of people are saying, let's see what Mueller is going to do. Is he going to connect the dots? Well, this man has obstructed justice right before our very eyes. We keep hearing about all of these meetings and connections with the Russians uh, by his family and others. I simply believe that not only has he colluded, and of course he has obstructed justice, but his character is such that the United States and the citizens of this country, rather, should not be willing to tolerate. He's a bad image for our children, and he should be impeached. We should move him out of office. The American citizens who are fed up with him are looking for Congress to take responsibility and do what we must do and impeach him. Get rid of him. Get him out of here. And, and you know, Congressman, you you hit on a point because when you say how much more can we tolerate and you know I think all those of us who are in this business hear from people Thank all the time you. what can we do and it, the, the truth is that only Congress can rein in a president of the United States and that impeachment or censure has to begin in the House of Representatives I want to play you two pieces of sound from the Speaker of the House Paul Ryan and the way he reacted to Donald Trump's racism right. back on the campaign trail and the way that he reacted to what we just learned that the president said um, in the Oval Office and this was these are those two things, and this is the yes. first one is June 2016. Here you go. Happy Claiming a person Stevie can't do the Wonder. job because of their race is sort of like... Happy birthday, Stevie Wonder. Happy 70th birthday, Stevie Wonder. Heaven helped a child who never had a home. Heaven helped a girl. Alone. 
Bye-bye. Check you out tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show.